Hi, everyone. Welcome to the MBA Insider Podcast. I am your host, Al D, and the author of MBA Insider. This podcast is for career-driven professionals looking for advice on how to grow their careers by leveraging the skills, experiences, and knowledge gained from an MBA degree. In each episode, I'll give you a look into the business school experience, along with practical tips, career advice, and real-life stories to help professionals grow their careers. Welcome to the MBA Insider Podcast. My name is Al D. I'm the host of the MBA Insider Podcast and the founder of MBAschool.com. Today, I have the privilege of talking to Dean Doug Shackelford, the Dean of UNC Kenan Flagler and the Mead H. Willis Distinguished Professor of Taxation. So first and foremost, Doug, thank you for joining me today. I'm excited to get to talk to you about a topic that I know and love, and then I know you know a thing or two about yourself, and that is UNC Kenan Flagler. But I guess maybe just to start talking about UNC Kenan Flagler, I want to talk about you a little bit. So why don't you maybe just tell us a little bit about yourself? And when you tell us about yourself, maybe just add in something that people can't find on your LinkedIn page or your professional bio. Well, it's great to join you. And I appreciate this opportunity. I grew up in eastern North Carolina on a tobacco farm. And one of the things I always tell people is, I don't know if I'm just really old or I came from a different era, but I grew up working with mules. We didn't even use tractors on our farm when I was a kid. So when I say that, I think maybe I came from another century or something. But I came to Chapel Hill as an undergraduate. It was a life-changing, transformational experience. It launched me into a whole different world. And through that, I've had opportunity to travel everywhere. Eventually, I came back here to my alma mater as a professor. And eventually, I got asked to lead the school, which is an honor beyond belief for me. And in my spare time, I love sports. I follow everything we do here at Chapel Hill. Obviously, if you're at Carolina, you're a basketball fan. I'm also a big baseball fan. And in my spare time, I do a lot of reading. I love history, sociology, economics. Just finished reading Obama's autobiography, which I thought was better than about any presidential autobiography I've ever read. I enjoyed Isabel Wilkerson's recent books. They're very good. And I just started on a big fat book on the spread of religions during the Roman Empire. So that's some of the things I do in my spare time. And then I have a big garden. I guess that's my connection to growing up on a farm. That's great. And as someone who also read Obama's autobiography, I can certainly agree with your sentiments. Dean Shackford, one of the things that strikes me about you is that you mentioned you grew up in Carolina and you went to UNC, but you've also traveled the world. You've worked around the world. You've taught around the world. You mentioned because you grew up in Carolina, it really opened you up to a world much bigger than yourself. And so I would love to know, first, what did you see when you went and traveled the world and worked all across the world or taught all across the world? And then how did that inform you coming back to Carolina? I think one of the things that is great about leaving your own little community, and actually the county I grew up in, my ancestors moved to around 1700. So I've got some deep, deep roots there, is it gives you a different perspective on everything. First of all, you meet people and you realize they care about the same sort of things that you care about. As someone told me one time, everyone worries about their mother when they get sick and everybody worries about their children when they have difficulties. And I think that's so true. But also you get exposed to people think differently. They come from different backgrounds and all that just expands your sense of humanity and hopefully it softens your heart. You also realize the complexity of problems. It's not easy to solve the things that trouble us. Simplistic answers don't work. I came back here because I think probably 
Chapel Hill sits in one of the most unique regions, I think, in the entire world. We have extraordinary academic institutions all around us. Until they changed our congressional district, we had more PhDs in this congressional district than any in the United States. It's a very education-focused place, and at the same time, it's a very research and technology-driven business community next to us. So it's a lot of startup. It's an exciting place to live. Plus, we have beautiful weather. The beach is one drive to the east, the mountains to the west. And so it's a great place to work. It's a great place to get an education. So I could be anywhere, but in some sense, I came back home. That's lovely to hear. And it sounds like the Chapel Hill Chamber of Commerce needs to put you on payroll. I think you're a pretty (laughs) good ambassador for Chapel Hill right there. If you don't mind, I'd love you actually to talk a little bit more just about Chapel Hill for a second. What it's like to be at a top MBA program in an area like Chapel Hill. What are some of the benefits and why is it such a great place? So it's a quintessential college town in one regard. In another regard, it's an entrepreneurial hotbed. We got the Research Triangle Park that surrounds us. It is an area in which intellect and innovation are greatly regarded. We have a wonderful broad-based university here. The business school is highly regarded, but so is so many parts of this campus. And I think that also speaks to just the ability, as you mentioned, of being a part of a program that not only has that local college town feel, but it really does have that brand name, as well as a fabulous alumni network that has the global reach, whether that's within the United States or across the broader world. And I think something when I think about that, that it often comes back to is also just the culture itself at UNC Keenan Flagler. And I'd love for you to talk about that for a second. As you mentioned, you are from Carolina and after seeing the world, you decided to come back home. But I also presume that part of the reason why you've chosen to be at UNC Keenan Flagler has to do with the culture itself. And so what I'd love to know from you is how would you describe the culture of UNC Keenan Flagler? And Could you give an example of where you've really seen this culture in action, either a personal example from your own experience or something that you've just witnessed recently? Well, I think you have hit on the magic, and that is the culture here. I can give you a lot of examples. One that I've told many times is when I was, I've been fairly early in this job, I wanted to hear what others thought of this place. So a standard answer I always ask when our recruiters come to campus is, why are you here? There's lots of places you could be today. There's lots of schools out there. And this one recruiter said something that really stuck with me. He said, Keenan Flagler students are successful on any project, anywhere with anyone. And of course, at that point, you know, I'm glad for him to put a period and stop because that feels good. But he paused for a moment and he said, without drama. And I have said to our people, maybe we should just carve in the granite outside the building without drama, because I think that captures something about the culture of the school. It's a place where we live out our core values. Our core values are excellence, leadership, integrity, inclusion, community, and teamwork. And in those core values is a desire that we want to be outstanding in everything we do. There's no compromise in any of that. But it's done in a very classy way. It's done in a way which we have respect for each other. We have respect for everyone we encounter. And we don't want to be drama kings and queens around here. And so that builds a deep regard for each other. We have a culture which is non-competitive with each other. We're obviously ambitious people, all of us here, whether you're a student or a faculty member or a staff person. But we talk about the fact that we may be 
at some point competing with someone else somewhere else. But within this school, within this building, we are all working together and we support each other. I always say to our students, there will be a class in which someone is going to have to carry you to the finish line. And if you're too proud to be carried, I'm not sure if this is the right place. Also, there's going to be a class in which you're going to have to carry someone to the finish line. This isn't a place for people who just want to be uh, solo players. And that builds a certain culture. It's the same thing with our faculty. Our faculty work together. We all have a culture in which our goal is to make sure that each of us succeeds and does the very best they can. And I'll close on this point with one other story that we had. So every fall, we honor five of our alums. We got 40,000 alums. So to be one of those five alums is rather a special honor. We honor five of our alums with the special alumni award. We have a nice dinner and so forth. And we tell them, invite anyone you would like, family members, business associates, whoever is really meaningful in your life. And we try to do it very nicely. A couple of years ago, we had one of our MBA alums who we honored and she got up to speak and she said, here's what matters the most to me. I was in a study group with four other students. We were formed, randomly formed by the school when I first got here as a first year student. All four of my study team members have come back for this night. That means more to me than anything else. Two of those study members had come from other continents and one had flown in from California. But I think that shows the kind of thing that we build this very, very tight, supportive culture, community that reinforces itself. In this case, decades later, when someone gets honored, but the most important thing to them is that their study group, their fellow students were there. I think that's a really incredible example of the culture at UNC and something that deeply resonates with me. So thank you for sharing that. And what a great story in the sense that even after all these years, people were willing to do what they could in order to come back to celebrate their peer. And I think to your point, I think that absolutely does speak to the culture, or at least the culture that I know about UNC in that when someone is successful, others want to support them and empower them and celebrate with them. Even if it means hopping on a plane, getting across continent or putting sacrifices at hand to go and be there and show up. What a special story for someone. And I can only imagine that must have been a really incredible opportunity to be a part of. Exactly. I can give you a much more recent one. This was a graduate from about a year or so ago, a fellow named Alex Brandwine. So Alex was here as an MBA student, came from New York City and had been in the finance field. Alex was looking to make a change, but when he got to Chapel Hill, he realized there's not a bagel shop in Chapel Hill that measured up to the quality of what he was used to in New York City. And so he started thinking about, maybe I should start a bagel shop here. And it started out as him experimenting with bagels on his own fellow classmates until he got the right mixture. By his own admission, he's not a baker. He didn't have an experience as a bagel maker. And his classmates gave him feedback of, you know, that one's good. And I don't know about this one. Hey, that's even better. He went to start doing some pop-ups. The next thing you knew, Alex had rented space. He now has a very popular bagel shop 
right on the main drag here in town. And his early employees were his fellow classmates. And when COVID broke out, our Carolina Women in Business Club, they worked with him to raise money so that he could deliver hot bagels over to our frontline workers at the hospital here on campus. So that just gives you a spirit sense of, again, the students aren't competing. They're trying to figure out how to make things better for their fellow classmates. That's a wonderful story. And I'm familiar with Alex's bagel shop. And in many ways, I think, Doug, that also speaks to the power of an MBA experience and the MBA experience at Keenan Flagler. I think on one hand, you have a student who comes in with great ambitions and aspirations to make a career change, but then spots an opportunity and using the skills that he or she has learned to bring that opportunity to life and puts blood, sweat, and tears into it. And then as, as a result of being in that community is supported with resources and other people who perhaps play a small role in bringing that idea to life and really helping him make that pivot as an MBA alum and having talked with hundreds, if not thousands of MBA students who have made transitions, I can't help but think that that really is the unique power and special sauce into an MBA and perhaps even an MBA at UNC Kenan Flagler. Absolutely. I couldn't be more bullish on exactly that. I have four children and I will soon have four children-in-law. There's some sons-in-laws and daughters-in-law sprinkled in there. And I've told all eight of them, I don't believe there's any investment that you can make in the next 40, 50, 60 years of your life that will be a higher return than getting an MBA wherever you go. Whether you're going to run a bagel shop or you're going into finance or marketing or consulting or you're going into an NGO or wherever you're headed. I just think it's a tremendous fundamental background for leading and managing organizations. Yeah, I think that's a great point. And I would love to chat a little bit more about that. We know that the world is changing. We've certainly seen that over the past year, but we also know that particularly in many industries, the pace of change isn't slowing down. It sounds like you're obviously bullish on an MBA, but I would love to maybe know as you think about as Dean of the business school, and as well as I'm sure you talk to lots of employers and hiring managers and leaders out there, what do you think about the future workplace and the future workforce? And what value does a full-time MBA really play in preparing people for that future workplace and workforce? I think COVID is a great example of where an MBA comes in valuable. And I've talked to a number of our MBA alums who can tell you a story about how their education has been so valuable during COVID. None of us saw it coming. As it struck, none of us knew what to do. As it turned out that it wasn't going to be, we were going to be home for a couple of weeks. You had to pivot again. You had to pivot again. You had to figure out what does this mean for my business? What does this mean for my people? What does this mean for our future? What does this mean for my own family, my own health? You go through all those sorts of questions. Well, I think what an MBA does is we all have our strengths. We have our strengths because of our giftedness. We're just born with certain skills. We have our strengths because of our experiences, but we also have a lot of valleys. I lots of times talks about strengths is they're kind of like the hills and mountains in our life. But we've also got a lot of valleys, things we're not gifted and skilled at particularly, or we just haven't had those experiences. Those valleys in our life can trip us up, and they can trip us up at the worst times, such as when the unanticipated strikes. And the unanticipated strikes all the time. COVID was a big example of that, but I can assure you during my 40-year career, all of life just seems to be one unanticipated thing after another. I think what an MBA does is it levels out all those valleys and it fills in those holes where you're not going to get fooled or tripped up because 
hey, I never had any exposure to accounting. So how was I supposed to understand how the budget worked? Or I always kind of started slipping away when they started talking about technical finance stuff because that's not my specialty. Or I never feel comfortable in a sales meeting. An MBA gives you that broad-based education where you're ready for whatever things get thrown at you. And then you find that area where you're going to advance in and we can build on that hill or that mountain and make it even higher. So I just think an MBA has never been more valuable than it is now. And it's because of exactly what you were saying. The world is more complex than it's ever been. It's changing more than it's ever been. None of us know where things are going to be in three months or six months or certainly in five years or 10 years. An MBA is going to help you be better for all those things. One thing that really struck me that you said earlier, and I think is a theme I'm hearing again, you mentioned earlier, I think when you travel the world, you learned that while there were some things that were consistent, sometimes problems don't always have easy answers, right? Sometimes they're a little bit more complex. And I think in the world that we're working in now, I think we're starting to realize the reality of that as well. And I think one of the things that strikes me about perhaps an MBA education that can be incredibly valuable is that it really, in those moments of uncertainty or in those moments of complexity, you feel grounded and that you feel you have a toolkit that doesn't necessarily give you all the answers, but it gives you the tools to go and figure out what those answers are. That's right. I'll give you an example of one of our MBA graduates that I stayed in a lot of contact with during COVID. He's an executive in the cruise ship industry. Just imagine an industry that you wouldn't have wanted to be in when COVID hit. And he just kept relaying to me things that his education and his experience had given him to have insights into how to maneuver in that industry when COVID struck. So we're all needing to deal with things and we'll need to deal with things that we can't anticipate today. And the global environment is very, very clear. And again, I don't mean to continue to harp on COVID, but I think COVID has just demonstrated how small our world is. Absolutely. So one of the things I want to ask you about as well, and as Dean of the Business School, your time is valuable, but you have lots of people to speak to. But I know that you really enjoy interacting with students and really thinking about the student experience. And I would just love to know, just from your perspective, how do you think about the student experience and really making sure that the students are equipped with the best experience possible to get the most out of the MBA? So I always take the perspective that everything we do is student-centric here. We do a lot of things, but at the core, the question is, so how will this impact our students? How will it advance them? And if the answer is this is right for the students, then it's right for the school. A few of the things that I think are really big, they're things that we continue to build on, we'll be doing more and more of them as we go forward, is experiential learning, as I call it. As adults, we learn by doing There's certainly a lot we can learn from a book or those sorts of things. But if I want to learn how to cook, I probably need to get in the kitchen. If I want to learn how to work on a car, I probably need to lift up the hood. All these sorts of things that we as adults do, we need to do by doing. So we have enormous number of leadership positions in our clubs. We have opportunities such as working on consulting assignments through what we call STAR, student teams achieving results, where we actually work on consulting assignments with real companies. They pay us real money, and we have teams in which our MBA 
students sort of work as, I would say, if you were thinking of a consulting firm, they're kind of like the managers. We have some undergraduate students that are sort of like staff and the faculty members like the partner. And at the end of the term, we deliver a product to the company. We have student-managed investment funds. We have student-managed real estate funds where this is real investments. We lose money or we make money. I can tell you that across the years, students take great pride in the success of their investments. Uh, we have lots of our students involved in participating on nonprofit boards around Chapel Hill. We want all of our students to be involved in global opportunities. So again, it's a lot of doing as opposed to just sitting and hearing that sort of level of engagement. Those are sorts of things that I think are quite important. We want our students to be as much as possible doing while they're in school what they're going to be doing when they leave Keenan Flackler. The examples you gave are spot on. And if I may, one of my own experiences that comes to mind was being in the MBA Student Association at UNC Keenan Flagler. I always say that experience taught me more about leading change and change management than any other, really any other thing that I mm. focused on in terms of leading than ever before. And I've come back to that experience so many times, whether it's in leading change or just honestly navigating through uncertain times. That's great to hear. I think part of that is the size of our program. We have a program which is large enough to make sure that all of the key companies come here to recruit, but small enough, as I described, small enough that at graduation, when someone walks across the stage, you know who they are. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's not a matter of, I've never even seen these people who are here because our program was so large. Is that sort of just right size? I think that's right. And I'm curious to dig into that a little bit more. How do you think that impacts the student experience, right? How does that size and that tight-knit community play a role in facilitating a student experience? Well, I think it gives lots of opportunities for our students to lead. It also means that every student is going to have small enough classes, extraordinary numbers of opportunities to interact with our faculty. And then we've got an alumni base that when I talk to our alums, the first question I always get is, who are our current students? How are they doing? And what can I do to help them? So our current alums are all over our current students. And again, it's the right size to have those sorts of interactions. And then on the faculty, I haven't really spoken about the faculty, but mm -hmm. one of the things about our faculty is we insist that our faculty be top-tier teachers and top-tier researchers. It's not good enough to be great at research, but you can't really teach. And then, frankly, it's not okay to be a great performer up front as a teacher, but not have deep research substance. Mm -hmm. We demand both from our people we put in front of the classroom. I think that's spot on. And I just even remember from my own experience, just to your point about the size, I certainly saw the professors and teachers every day in class, but it just really fostered a little bit more of a close-knit connection, or I always at least felt that. And I felt like I could see that. My classmates saw that too, just in terms of the proximity with faculty and professors, the accessibility, right? Where, as you said, it's big enough where you have plenty of opportunities, but small enough to actually be able to foster those relationships. I think a lot of us, a lot of students go to business school, right? Because they want to build that network and build those relationships. And I really do think that size really helps play a role in facilitating those opportunities. One thing that also really comes to mind, Doug, is just this idea of collisions, if you will. And what I mean by that is you talked about the faculty, you talked about alum, you talked about student opportunities. But as a student, I think the more collisions you can have, whether that's with 
other classmates, whether that's with professors, more interaction points, those are moments of feedback, right? Those are moments of learning. And I think that's where the magic really happens, and particularly when you're talking about that experiential learning, right? It's that ability to get to do something, get some feedback in real time, and then iterate off of that, whether that's to take a learning from it and to do something different, take a learning from that to try something in a different way. But to me, at least, as I think back from my experience, that's where much of that magic really happened in terms of really being able to make those experiential learning opportunities come to life. And some of that comes back to the community we live in. So our students are all going to be in the building every day. Our faculty are going to be in the building every day. If you're in a large city, just traveling to the campus can be a challenge. Mm -hmm. That's not the case here. So you've got a lot more of that. I love the word collision. You've got a lot more of that collision just going on because everybody's here. And so that natural interaction that's going to occur is highly likely because everybody's here in the morning, they're here in the afternoon, oftentimes together here in the evening because it's easy to get around Chapel Hill. For sure. As the dean of the business school, as the leader of the business school, part of your job is to think about the future. And one of the things that strikes me is UNC Keenan Flagler has been at the forefront of innovation, particularly in business education. Certainly, uh, UNC Online MBA is one example of that. There are certainly plenty of others. As you think about the future of business education and what that could look like, from your perspective, what are you excited about? So this is one of the things I spend a lot of time thinking about is where are we headed? Because I think in the same way that we were talking earlier about, it's a changing world. I think education is in a state of change. And I think the place where it's most likely to change first is in the professional schools. And the professional schools that are most likely to innovate are the business schools, and rightfully so. So one of the things that was really exciting in 2020 was we went through a strategic planning process here in the business school. And we identified some things that we have been doing, but we really want to double down on. And we came up with a statement, which I think really embodies what we've been doing all along. It relates to a lot of what we've been talking about. But our statement of where we're going is through the power of innovation and community, we build and inspire leaders who improve the world. And then the things about where does that future take us is we really want to double down on what we're calling co-creation with business. So I think we've always had a very deep relationship with doing work with business, making sure our curriculum is highly relevant while remaining very rigorous. But we want to really, really double down on that. We want to make sure that what we are teaching is at the forefront of what's going on in the business world. Another thing that we're really wanting to do is to make tight links between the region that we're in, we are even talking a lot about that, and the global world that we've been talking about. And then the last thing, and I think this really is the frontier of business education, and I think this will matter for graduates going forward, is lifetime learning. A lot of people are talking about lifelong learning, things like that. We want to get a personalized lifelong learning platform. Right now, all of our MBA alums can take any course that we offer online, they can take it at cost. And that's a way in which as new materials are developed, our alums can stay abreast of what's going on. But what we are looking for is something that I refer to as Spotify. I subscribe to Spotify. Lots of people do. 
you and I might both subscribe to Spotify, but we probably would never be listening to the same music at the same time. And I might not listen to different music today from what I will listen to tomorrow. I certainly probably listen to different music today than I'll listen to in 10 years from now, or I listened to 10 years ago. So my music is personalized. What we want to do is get to a point where our alums can take advantage of the cutting edge knowledge of our community, our faculty and other alumni, and in some sense, never quite leave school. Now you'll get a diploma and all that, but you'll be able to tune into, if you will, the Keenan Flagler education Spotify for the rest of your career. And that's part of being an alum of Keenan Flagler. That's the sort of thing we're looking at right now because we have taken great pride for a long time. We're the first public university in America, and we've taken great pride in a leadership role in education. And I just see this as sort of the next wave of where knowledge is going. That is really exciting. And to your point, I do think it really fits nicely with this notion that the world of work is changing and will continue to change. And as it continues to change, many of us need to make sure that we're continuing to learn so that we can continue to keep up with that change. And I would love to know and dig a little bit further from your perspective, why should prospective students be excited about an MBA education from UNC Keenan Flagler? As you think about the future, why should students be excited about coming to a place like Chapel Hill to get an MBA from UNC? First of all, I think you're going to have a tremendous, terrific classmates. We have great faculty, we have great alums, but the best teachers you're ever going to have are your fellow classmates. When I talk to our alumni, they always tell me, Two of the best years of my life were when I was in Chapel Hill in the MBA program, and I made friends for life. I made business associates for life, and I think part of it comes from these cultural things that we were talking about earlier. We didn't fight to see who could get an A. We developed deep, deep collegial relationships. Our students come from everywhere. Many come from business, but we've also got them coming from the not-for-profit sector. We've got them coming from education, the Peace Corps all around the globe, all around the country, and they're able to figure out what are their passions. Maybe it's open a bagel shop in Chapel Hill, but maybe it's go and start a business on the other side of the globe. They're able to find their passions in a supportive community and then tap into resources because we want a very personalized experience for each of our students. We also have some real strengths. If you're looking for expertise in certain areas. I don't think there's a school that's better than us in entrepreneurship, sustainability, real estate, energy, family business. I could go on and on there. It's a very welcoming, inclusive community. And once again, as I was saying earlier, the success of our students is what we put as our highest value. That's why the faculty are here. That's why our staff are here. There was a period there in which I was the dean of our faculty. And when I was recruiting faculty for Keenan Flagler, and I would say to them, I'm sure you have many options. We're trying to recruit the best faculty in the world. So you can probably go to any school you want. But if you come here, you need to understand what we value. And what we value is the success of our students. If that's not what you value, you won't be happy here long-term. And then when you leave here, You're moving into an alumni community that is so tight and so supportive. Wherever I go, what I always get, as I said a few moments ago, they ask, how are our students 
today? How are they doing? And then the next question is, what can I do to help? And it is just extraordinary how two years in Chapel Hill transforms lives. And then those people want to do what they can to help transform the lives of the current set of students. And it just rolls from generation to generation of students. So if I summarize that quickly, I think what I heard was, number one, you'll get a relevant business education that will prepare you for the future and a future of continuous learning. The second thing I heard was that you'll get an experience with some of the best teachers in the world, whether those are your co-students or faculty that really care and want to teach. And then you'll get an alumni network that will be with you on the journey for the rest of your career. That sounds like a pretty good experience to me, at least. You're exactly right. We got 40,000 people. I would say we have 40,000 alums who would chop off their right arm to come back and spend two more years in Chapel Hill. It's a special place. It's hard sometimes to describe, if you've never been here, the experience and the closeness that the alumni community has. But once you've been through that experience, it's a lifetime of particular pride and of a support system that really never goes away. That's great. Dean Doug Shackelford, the Dean of the UNC Kenan Flagler Business School, thank you so much for joining me today, for telling us a little bit about yourself, for sharing a little bit about what makes UNC Kenan Flagler a great place, and sharing why prospective students and others should be interested in getting an MBA at UNC Kenan Flagler. Thank you. Hi, everyone. LD here, and thank you so much for listening to the MBA Insider Podcast. If you liked what you heard, make sure to head over to Apple Podcasts and to write a review. It will only take 15 seconds. I'd also love to hear what you've been listening to on the podcast and any suggestions you have for how we can improve. Find me on LinkedIn or head over to mbaschooled.com backslash podcast.